Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with you. And I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes. It does not constitute working with a mental health provider. So I do recommend seeking out a provider in your local area to work on your unique issues. So for today's podcast, this one's been a bit in the making. Uh, I met our guest today several years ago when I was off attending a gaming convention called KublaCon, and they had given a talk about working with neurodiverse children using the gaming as a mechanism for teaching new skills. And so I continued to follow, and briefly, I worked uh, with this organization as I started out my practice, but eventually the practice required more of my time, and I needed to go spend it there. So today, we have the president of the board, Joshua Archer. Joshua Archer is the co-founder of the Game Academy and is a following in his dreams of expanding the horizons of interactive storytelling experiences with engaging education and motivation. Joshua has been an avid tabletop role-playing gamer since 1979 and attributes his enthusiasm for for the games, Uh, his interest in many academic subjects, and a core portion of his social skills to participate in gaming and tabletop gaming. Joshua has been a member of the RPGA for years and was an officer in Paizo's organized play for Pathfinder, the Pathfinder Society, for four years. Joshua received his BA in philosophy from UC Berkeley in 1994 and worked as a software engineer from 1995 through 2008. For three years, Joshua co-ran Archer Web Solutions and Web Design Services, or Web Design Solutions Company with his wife. In 2011, Joshua founded Icara Games, a private company which designs educational role-playing games. And at the beginning of 2016, Joshua and his associate, Bert Holocombe, founded the Gaming Academy. Joshua had been involved with various educational enrichment programs for over a dozen years, using interactive learning opportunities that engage both sides of the brain. Joshua received his Master's of Arts degree in education from Sonoma State in 2019, and recently he transitioned from being the executive uh, director to being the president of the board and managing those components of the Game Academy. Joshua, welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Thank you, Perry. Um, I I appreciate having uh, a chance to talk to your audience and uh, to talk to you again. Uh, It was a lot of fun working with you in, I guess it might have been 2018, 2017, somewhere in that range. It was probably 2019 as my practice was just starting then. Ah, yes. Yeah. It gets a little blurry for me. I've been doing this for, for, for a bit. Um, but, uh, I, once again, uh, I think that, uh, it's, it will be obvious by the time we're done talking that your audience and, and, and our audience at the game Academy are, are really subsets of the same, same group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I know we sort of said a little bit in your bio, but how did you get here? How did you find yourself into this aspect of starting the game academy and working with the neurodiversity that are with kids? 
Well, it's, uh, I think the best place to start is with story. Obviously, mm-hmm. story is at, at the key, uh, the center at, of all the work that we do at the Game Academy, and it's how we define ourselves uh, in the world. And my story is that I was a socially inept, uh, awkward child, uh, like many of us, uh, and I was not eager to play on the playground. I was uh, overweight, asthmatic, uh, not very well coordinated. Usually the last pick and and the groaning pick after all of the other girls and all of the other kids who, you know, uh, were seen as, as less than for the team picking, I was the last. So there was not a lot of motivation for me to participate in that. I usually would stick along the walls. Uh, but one day, uh, I think... I was in the second grade. I saw a group of older boys. Uh, at this point, they were boys um, throwing some strange-shaped plastic uh, dice, I guess, into a cardboard box. And they were laughing, and they were telling stories, and they looked like they're having a great time. And I came over and said, "So, what are you guys doing over here?" And they said, "We're playing Dungeons and Dragons." And I said, "What's that?" They said, "Sit down. Here's your character." And they immersed me in that very moment, brought me into their their magic circle, you know, gave me uh, a character to play. And characters were pretty thin, but, you know, it was something that had all of the components necessary to participate um, and taught me right there on the spot how to be part of their group. Um, Mm -hmm. And that moment of acceptance and the... Uh, sort of set of circumstances that role-playing games, tabletop role-playing games create gave me a high level of motivation to continue to be involved, not only with that group, but with that activity with new groups and other friends Mm -hmm. throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Gaming has been a part of my life for ever since. Uh, I might have taken small breaks of six months while I was dating, you know, something like that. But usually it became a deal breaker in my relationships. If you didn't at least, if you weren't okay with me gaming, then we weren't going to work. You didn't have to be a gamer, but generally speaking, I think everyone that I did date romantically in high school and college were gamers and I married a gamer. So I win. Um, (laughs) But There was no frame at the time to take this love that I had for this activity and turn it into a career, Um, which is, it's funny to think today we look around and we can see professional game masters everywhere. We can see organizations that are using tabletop role-playing games for social uh, education or for therapeutics um, or for special needs kids teaching them you know either the basics of of collaboration or just presenting information in a new way that they're motivated to learn Mm -hmm. um so i went into software engineering because that was making money in the 90s that it was you have a degree and you're breathing and you can learn so here's a software engineering job which i was very good at um but ran into some problems of focus and uh, keeping my interest level high enough to stay engaged in the work. 
mm-hmm. if I was interested, I would work for three days straight sometimes without sleeping. But if I did not have an interest in the project, it would take forever to get started. Um, caveat, later on in life, this was in my 20s. Now, in I've just turned 50. Uh, last year, I believe, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and I was a, a, an adult diagnosis only because my younger son self-diagnosed and then we took him to a psychiatrist to get fully diagnosed. And that's when I learned all of these qualities that he was identifying, I had them too. Mm-hmm. And this is a genetically uh, connected or associative, it, it gets, it's, the traits are passed down or at least the possible right. are passed down. So we'll talk more on that later. Of course, yes, because I mean, that is one of those concerns I know I see even in my own practice, what is basically described as late recognition diagnosis, whether it's ADHD or autism spectrum dis- uh, dis- as well, disorder as well. So it's a, it's a very much something we're seeing a lot more because we have now better tests for it, but also there are a lot of people who weren't trained and just Recognize that. Yeah. Passed it away as just right. being, oh, quirky or unusual, but no, it's those, yeah, those yeah, being present, a and, lot of skills that were developed for it and weren't. Exactly. So I went through a career path of about 14 years as a software engineer, first at uh, com, a couple of businesses there, mm-hmm. went into uh, software engineering for the California State University system mm-hmm. at uh, Sonoma State. And uh, I liked education more and it right. liked heavily with, with the educational aspect. The, as a software engineer, I also was giving talks at conferences that were at the different universities um, as, as part of what we were doing in our group. We were called the Center for Distributed Learning, and it was building applications and running uh, this one conference um, uh, called CATS, which stood for the California Association of Technical Studies or something like that. I can't remember exactly what, but um, I learned that I had a proficiency for teaching. Um, I went to school in philosophy. Uh, I thought I was going to be a professor. So this return to this idea started to itch at me. Mm-hmm. I decided, well, maybe the problem is I don't want to do other people's jobs. Uh, I want to do my own dreams. So my wife and I took a stab at being entrepreneurs in web design because web design was not very complicated um, and something we could manage. But A, this was 2008. uh, So we started a company right during the crash of 2008. Not a good time to to start a company. And secondly, I learned I actually didn't like making web design pages. It just, it was... The issue was I needed to take a bigger step out. Mm-hmm. So took a year off, did some soul searching, realized in my life, what are the constants? One of them is tabletop role play. Mm-hmm. Other is education. How can I marry these things together? Because I knew in my own life, it had been a life-saving, uh, probably quite literally, uh, <laughs> a life-saving activity for myself that I could have expressions of what was going on inside of me emotionally uh, without concern of being ostracized or, or stigmatized because I was doing it wrong, quote unquote. Um, but I was also able to see myself from a perspective of someone who was heroic, 
and successful and effective. And that was, I think, key to activating my brain to actually pursue that status in my quote unquote real life. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2012, 13, I decided to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I Sonoma State, get into the master's degree program there. So I decided that I would build a career around what I knew to be true, that using tabletop role-playing games as a focal medium, you can introduce individuals to subjects and skills, both soft and hard skills, um, that uh, will stick better if they're interested in the narrative, if they're Mm -hmm. part of that story, right? Uh, And started Yokari Games in about the same time, 12, 13. That was a for-profit version of what we do at the Game Economy Mm -hmm. Academy. But it became evident that unless we were willing to, to charge therapy prices that it wasn't going to work as a for-profit. We really needed to uh, either decide that we were going to be working with those that could afford us or what we did decide ultimately is that we want to bring this gift of educational gaming to as many kids and as many different populations Mm -hmm. as possible. And that means charging just the bare minimum to keep those programs alive and then backfilling with donations and grants. So that's been our, our core cause since 2016 to today. Um, and it's been incredibly fulfilling. It's as if all of my intuitions about what could happen, not only with individuals in a program like I was creating, um, but within society, when I started, in 2013, 14, there was nobody doing very much like what we were doing at all. There were there are a few people that, that predate me. I would be remiss not to mention mm-hmm. Thomas at the uh, game workshop, um, role play workshop. Sorry, work, mm-hmm. role play workshop in Oakland, and she started her program. I think in the 80s, early 80s. She she's been doing it for 20, 30 some odd years. Um, and so I view her as a mentor and a model. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked with her for a couple of seasons and uh, started my own operation in the North Bay. And we just sort of worked in the same environment for a while. And uh, but other than that, uh, doing my research, I couldn't find a lot of papers that were that even mentioned tabletop role-playing games. It was really, I had to focus on things like simulations or role-play in therapeutics. And uh, I did find those references and role-play has been used in therapeutics and in education for probably over a hundred years. You really Mm -hmm. look at sources. Uh, But um, now there's a lot of people doing studies on the field that Dungeons and Dragons is now a well-known brand and and one that's not stigmatized or at least not as much as it used to be. <laughs> yeah, not with where we're sitting currently in the in the world, but yeah, 50 years ago as I hate to realize that. Um right? it was being it was being stigmatized and yes, for there was this reason, panic and yeah. You know, and, beyond that just, you know, what are you doing you nerd, you know? Mm-hmm. But culture has followed uh, you know, fantasy and storytelling. And, and we, I think those stalwart few that started early, we win. 
Yeah, which is what we've seen also with helping with the resurgence, both between uh, Stranger Things as well as what was one of the ways for many people was a coping mechanism as we have been dealing with the COVID pandemic Mm. as well and saw the launch of much more of the virtual tabletop and using Zoom for that. That was a big deal for us, actually. It was an eye-opener. When March 2020 came around and it was obvious that we were all going to have to close down, we were 100% in-person classes. Mm -hmm. We had not been doing any online gaming, mostly because we had the bias. And I don't think I've lost this bias, but we had the bias that in-person is better. It's just you have more... um, experiential surfaces to work with you, mm-hmm. you're, you're not funneled through a camera view um and uh being in person there's a lot there there can be a lot of non-verbal communication going on and some of that is spatial mm-hmm. um, however we were forced to evolve or die mm-hmm. so we immediately said well what would it look like for us to take this online mm-hmm. look at the tools at hand started you know using things like discord for for communications and roll 20 for our virtual tabletop and there was a lot of choices and we played with a lot of different things but what we found was that except for the marginal few whose learning challenges really didn't work well in a virtual environment um most of our clients were happy to adapt um and it helped them through the stresses of the worst of the COVID, COVID shutdown. Mm-hmm. We even started to include children's parents in either the same game or in different games. Mm-hmm. And we were doing adult um, games just exclusively uh, as a way to relieve that anxiety and that stress and to keep people socially connected. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think now we've seen the sort of advantage of having that market space because we can bring in individuals from across the country, different time zones. We have games where, you know, you might have some players on the West coast, some players um, in New York on the East coast, some players in Canada, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as they're willing to show up at a time that's coherent for everyone involved, you can have a lot of, it's not really cross-cultural, but it is, I think, in the small sense, mm-hmm. getting uh, diverse perspectives at the table. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was really great for us. And we are continuing to do online work even now as we start to return to the classroom. Probably about three quarters of what we do is still online. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's hard to get individuals into the same physical space at a time that's convenient. Right. Um, so, yeah. All right. So what do you, so if you were to give everyone the elevator pitch about what Game Academy is, what would that be? Mm, That's always an interesting question. Um, Mm -hmm. And it changes every time somebody asks me, but um, let me see if I can do this justice. Uh, What we do at the Game Academy is that we provide a uh, curated and and, uh, professionally led game tabletop gaming experience where not only do we just get the benefits of being in a tabletop role-playing game with people and and 
even if you don't have trained individuals running it, you're going to get some of the benefits. You're going to get collaboration. You're going to get the, you know, the, the need to be able to cooperate and to communicate. Uh, You are problem solving, you know, so there's a critical thinking element going on. You're giving creative answers Mm -hmm. to, to problems that are posed through situations. We are pushing divergent thinking. So a lot of the, in the educational parlance, what are called 21st century skills, you just get automatically by participating. However, mm-hmm. there's also, uh, there's as much benefit as there is harm possible in the activity if you're not being aware of how you're interacting, how you're crossing over. Because when you get into a storytelling uh, social structure, uh, you're coming in the side door of most people's gatekeepers, of most mm-hmm. people's critics, and in most people's um, protective shell. Um, such as, if I'm talking to you in a social group, and you are Perry and I am Josh, whatever Josh says reflects on me, the person, Josh, because mm-hmm. I'm being that person right now, and you're being Perry, that person. So we might be more conservative or more apprehensive to share internal feelings than if I'm playing a dwarvish rogue and you're playing an elven wizard with different names and different perspectives and different backgrounds. Now we're in social situations. We're pretending to be in social situations that don't tap on my memory or my history and don't reflect on me as a person. If I decide to, you know, smash my hammer into the table, cause I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows me to, uh, open myself to uh, modes of being that I wouldn't normally have, right? So this is getting a hairy dog version of of the elevator pitch, but let's say this. Don't worry, it's a long elevator. (laughs) we, We provide this space where we can guide the best proximal learning that we can um, in the locations that are identified by all of the, sh- the shareholders or, or the interested parties. You know, that might be, of, of course, the participants. We want to do something that's fun for them, that they're interested in, that reflects their, their, what excites them, because that engagement is, mm-hmm. is the inertia and the momentum behind learning. The parents might come to us and say, okay, we've had these experiences in our educational narrative um, we have been diagnosed with these particular challenges, um, and that can create trauma mm-hmm. for kids. You know, being in those environments and not having appropriate service for their needs. So there's a wariness that parents have often, mm-hmm. um, but we always talk to our participants, no matter what age they are, as people. We're, we're never condescending. We're, we're always models of, of the type of behavior we expect from our players at the table. So um, this is goes everything from modeling the invisible skills of mm-hmm. taking turns and active listening and, you know, engaging and repeating and making space for one another. But, and also, you know, there are rules that we co-create. Um, as players and the game master at the table so that we all feel safe and we all feel that we can have the most fun that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means that we also um, 
unlike maybe an edu- uh, an entertainment type of uh, situation, if there's conflict at the table, um, we don't we don't try to shut that conflict down. We try to help our players identify the source of the conflict. Is it inside the game between the characters? Is it because of something that happened outside of the game? Did Billy, you know, kick you in the shins on the playground and now you're trying to get back at him by stealing his possessions because you're the rogue? Mm-hmm. Working out those situations and really taking time to do it open cards, you know, right on the table, talk to the kids about, hey, I noticed this is what's happening. You know, let's talk about that and we'll stop the game um, mm-hmm. so that everybody can be witness. And mm-hmm. part- we also create uh, uh, accommodations uh, for kids that have particular needs. If the kids are uh, kinetic, if they have ADHD or other kinetic based um, uh, needs, challenges, needs yeah. uh, we create a space for them to say, okay, um, Sarah, we know that you think best when you're standing and walking. We don't want to keep you from doing that. We want you to participate in the best way you can. So this space over here behind your chair is your space to stand and walk. And you can do that anytime you want to. And by the way, everyone else at the table, the space behind your chair is for you too. So we make that an open offer to everyone involved to normalize the need and to show that it's not a big deal that these things are not to be afraid of just because somebody has differences doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just Mm -hmm. means that they have different needs and different expressions. And so for kids that are neurotypical being at a table, that's a mixed table, they learn to not be afraid of people who are different from them that maybe they don't experience in their normal everyday life. And conversely, those that have, uh, uh, some sort of neurodivergence and and probably have had a narrative of uh, failure upon failure in different social groups, because maybe their kid is just hard for other people to handle. Mm -hmm. And we view those as our gems. Those are our precious children, you know, that Mm -hmm. know from our own experiences. And because we're, our staff is highly educated in education. And many of us have either got our credentials for, single subject or multi-subject, or in my case, a master's degree, we, or we have a, uh, one of our, our main educators is also a behavioral therapist. So we are always working on the whole child and building a cohesive group where everybody trusts one another. Right. Beautiful. So that's places, places we need more of. Yeah, exactly. You know, these kids can depend on this social group, on a weekly basis. They know that they've got four up to four other friends that they're going to see and have a relationship with for a couple of hours every week. Mm -hmm. And that might be for some of these kids, the only friends they have, you know, but it becomes a vehicle for them. Not only does that do those friendships have longevity past the classroom. Some of the kids that we started with when we, we began, maybe we're nine, 10 years old. Many of them are actually graduating from college this year. And they've kept in touch and they have friendships from that original group when they were 10 years old. Mm-hmm. That is a big, big deal for us. Having a built-in network that they can rely on is building stability and, and uh, persons who care into their lives. Um, and so that's a major deal. The mission is just social, emotional learning, academics, uh, personal uh, success, 
and uh, increased motivation. And we see. So I think that's a great place for us to take a break at. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to be coming back for our second half with Joshua Archer as we continue discussing the Game Academy and working with tabletop role-playing and neurodiversity as well as where else can it go? And how does it also work with the mental health too? So I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family care therapist, and this is Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. So stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark with you, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm here with Joshua Archer, president of the Game Academy. So what are some of the projects that you guys have for the future? I'm glad you asked that. We've had ongoing programs that we've been running since we began. One of them is our year-round educational gaming program, or we call EGP, Mm -hmm. where we place individual participants we work with kids between generally the ages of 8 and 18 but we have been known to work with younger and older kids depending on their needs and where they fit socially Mm -hmm. Uh, that would mean putting them into a group that it meshes well with their own needs and what they can bring to a dynamic learning environment and they meet once a week for a couple of hours Um, and the game master education game master will create or use pre-written narratives um, to take that group through an, a, a, a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and often the learning happens at the table. Uh, then in the summer times, we have uh, our adventure gaming summer camps or AGSP or C A G S C. obviously spelling is not my strong suit. Um, and that is really an intensive that's meant to be, Nine to five, Monday, Friday, single week, we have the same number of hours of gameplay as we would in a 12-week program, but it's all condensed. And it also includes maker crafting, outdoor play. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nine to five, bring your kids. We will give them back to you exhausted and happy. Um, and it's usually less educationally focused and more entertainment focused because it's hard to customize that information that quickly for a group of kids. Um, But we use it as a funnel to bring them into our year-round program. There's also uh, a LARP that we created in conjunction with UC Santa Cruz 
um, called the Anywhere Academy, which is focused on middle school girls or those who express as girls. Um, and uh, we have uh, focused on communities where there are less built-in advantages. And the idea is to give them a week-long experience uh, using a adventure role-play LARP structure where they're part of a academy like Hogwarts, but they're also kind of like problem solvers like Doctor Who or something like that, where they're moving between different dimensions and meeting new cultures and trying to solve problems of things that are not quite right in those worlds. And we use this environment to teach them about technology, about STEM technology, STEAM technology, um, focusing on wearable technology. So uh, Adafruits or uh, different types of like processing units that you can plug in lights or haptics, sound, etc., And they're programmable from a computer with a very basic drag and drop logical programming language. Uh, so that you don't have to know how to write code to program. And so these girls will get together in teams. They will go out on missions. They'll learn what they have to build in order to be successful at those missions um, and may go back to a world more than once because they've acquired some information. Now they, they can go back and build what they need in the workshop, go back to that area again, and then solve the problem. So uh, that has been run for two years in a row, three different instances, and that's going to be and, a- Let me just pause you there. For those wondering what LARP stands for, it's L-A-R-P, that's Live Action Role Play. Thank you very much. I was making an assumption there. Just thinking about, if you think of tabletop gaming as sitting down, rolling dice, and like saying, my character does this, LARP is standing up in a room, no dice, just doing the thing just being acting that role. So it's more like improv, um, but with a focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, those have been our ongoing programs. Um, We are always looking towards building new experiences for new groups. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a plan for a uh, future fundraiser and uh, uh, specialized experience. that we are looking to bring to individuals um, in the Black and African-American communities, uh, specifically because the the game that we had received from a a very generous gaming company called Capera um, is uh, focused on an Afro-futuristic dystopia, I guess, but I think we would want to be using the materials that they've written uh, in in ways that are expansive. Mm -hmm. And we're really looking to bring not only these books and this experience to individuals, but we want to bring in game masters from the same communities. We want to bring in artists and writers to help write the stories and illustrate the stories so that the context is one that's very familiar and is one that is from the inside and uh, mm-hmm. is an experience that's authentic. Right. Um, so essentially Afrocentric. 
experiences, whether it is in a dystopia, whether it is in a fantasy, whether it is in a science fiction space opera, but it is an Afrocentric environment. Exactly. And I think that when you can tailor the role play experience to the audience and you can really fit their understanding of the world um, and build on that, you're going to have a much better chance of a uh, higher level of engagement, but also of, um, of having the learning that you're trying to perform accelerate. Right. Mm-hmm. So for us, I'm seeing this as not just let's, you know, give a bunch of kids uh, these gaming books. And we have about 250 of them, I think, if I recall, um, but to teach their communities how to use the game and then to build a mini um, community around developing stories and ideas, mm-hmm. kind of like kickstarting uh, a, a gaming initiative uh, or a gaming society uh, that these individuals that are participating can, can build on themselves. That's my exactly. hope. Yeah, exactly. And that also goes too into the neurodiversity because sadly, um, as you probably, some of you have heard with listening while, my conversation with uh, Booney is the aspect of that neurodiversity is often p- depicted as being purely white. And there is a lot of neurodiversity in our African-American as well as um, Asian, as well as Native American, Latin American communities as well that often get stigmatized. So creating in places like the Game Academy or these events where it can be not only normalized, but celebrated is something that takes us further. Absolutely. And that's really what we're looking to do. We've always been trying to build our programming to our, the kids in our program, that mm-hmm. we're not looking for them to join us where we play. We want to find out where they play and mm-hmm. there. So mm-hmm. being recognized for their diversities and celebrated for their diversities uh, across the board. And, and, you know, there's, there's a difference between, you know, uh, learning uh, challenges, uh, you know, cultural differences. Mm-hmm. We have individuals in our program that have um, transitioned from one gender to another. And I believe that was made safe for them in our context because we always celebrate the individual no matter where they are. And playing a role-playing game gives you a chance to try on mm-hmm. different aspects of who you think you might be in a very low uh, stakes environment. Mm -hmm. You know, if I make a character that has a different gender than I am, uh, or I've been designated with, um, I am allowing myself to awaken parts of my psyche and try those things on. You know, if if I'm Mm -hmm. just trying to understand that perspective, I might do that, or maybe I'm trying to figure out where I belong and, and having the ability to, Mm -hmm do a test run um, is really, really helpful. And Mm -hmm. and the same thing goes for maybe kids that have social anxiety. Mm -hmm. A lot of the kids in our program suffer from social anxiety. And a lot of that is learned behavior from being stigmatized, right? That when you, for example, I was an ADHD kid. I didn't know it. Um, I just used to blurt things out and I got teased for blurting things out either because I was super smart and wanted all everybody to know all the things I knew. Um, so at my sixth grade summer camp, they called me Webster. 
Um, <laughs> or there's it, a flashback to the eighties. Right. <laughs> or it might be, uh, that, uh, I blurt something out that is embarrassing. Um, and I can't take that back. Right. But in these environments, those quirks are part of the flavor of the game. They get mm-hmm. introduced to the characters. So there's a safety net. Mm-hmm. Right? If, if a character makes a bad move, we can always say, Hey, I noticed that you decided to, you know, stab your friend in the foot over there. Like, First off, is that something that your character really wants to do? Or is that just something that you as a player are trying on? You know, and we get them to kind of parse it and mm. figure out, okay, if this is something that you think your character wants to do, we, we want you to justify it. Give me reasons. Tell me about it. Give me the internal states. We never say no to a behavior, but we might say that might not be in alignment with what your character actually wants. So mm-hmm. maybe think it, right? So that's how we introduce ethics and morality into the into the gameplay we don't want to tell any of the kids they can't do anything because that's right. reducing their agency they get enough of that in their normal context with teachers and other people saying you can't do this you can't do that don't do this don't do that we want to do the very opposite we want to say everything is possible but some things are probably better choices than others very true very true especially yeah because there's so much about trying to conform into a world that wasn't exactly built for you. Now, whether that's neurodiversity aspect or sadly even race, that's Mm -hmm. one of those places where we want to create the normalization that you do belong and you do belong even in your specialty group too. Exactly. This is not about uh, stripping away identities. This is about contextualizing, Mm -hmm. giving them places of power and respect as they should be, you know? So that can be done in many different ways. You can Mm -hmm. create cultural shifts within the game worlds that you play where maybe it's a post-racial conflict environment where they've worked Mm -hmm. out these issues, or maybe it's a flip where individuals from certain cultural backgrounds that are used to being stigmatized and marginalized are actually now in positions of majority of power. Mm -hmm. And trying that on for a while you know and that is beautifully done in building mental health building strength and ability to be able to know that the choices you're making are those as opposed to living in anxiety and fear of did i say the wrong thing all the time exactly and so we know that through study um practicing or thinking about doing things Mm -hmm. like really visualizing them can give you the same level of neural programming as actually doing those things. There's been Mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, case studies where you've taken two athletes. One of them is told to practice uh, free throws at, uh, for, you know, two hours a day. The other one is told to think about making free throws for two hours. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to do in one sitting. But um, the idea is that, they charted growth. And of course the control group did nothing. And the two groups that were either practicing or thinking about practicing grew uh, and developed skills at almost the same pace. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a huge, huge implication because now the things we do at the game table, if they're visualized properly and backed up by a skillful educator to give them true context, you know, Mm -hmm. um, say you're, character wants to be a mechanic 
and wants to, you know, fix the vehicle that you guys are using either in a space setting or car wars or, you know, whatever it is, we can just reduce it down to, oh, roll the die, you're successful, or we can dig in. We can say, all right, you're noticing this sound that's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what's going on. And we really drive into the story and make the kids pull apart the story mm-hmm. that is in parallel to what they might use to diagnose a car's problem in real life. Right. right. And so getting them into those contexts, finding out what they're interested in, and then deep diving in those aspects is how mm-hmm. we the most benefit. Beautiful. Well, I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. Now, if people wanted to contact you to learn out more about Game Academy in general, the summer camp, or this project we're going to be working on in, in the future, where can they find you? I would love to talk to anybody who has questions or wants to collaborate. Uh, my email address is Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A, at thegameacademy, all one word, mm-hmm. dot org, O-R-G, or they can go to the website thegameacademy.org. Um, my uh, phone number I will give out on request. Um, Always I, wise. Right. But I'm, the emails. <laughs> I'm a very uh, uh, socially uh, eager person, um, although I am an int- uh, extroverted introvert, so I can get tired after a while. But I will talk to anybody who, who wants to talk to me, and those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. I will have that in the show information as well. Fantastic. So I look forward to us working on that project and I look forward to people learning more about this and check this out, folks. We do need to recognize these more things and that there is a place for everybody. They don't have to be thinking that they're the odd weirdo out. That's the truth. Exactly. So this has been Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethers. So check things out soon. And uh, I will let you guys know that we will be doing a special uh multi-episodes for the month of February to celebrate Black History Month. So we're going to be off our usual programming schedule around that time. And then we'll be back to normal one in March. So stay tuned, check this out, and write and review. And we look forward to bringing you more of this information. So have a good one, folks. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.